everyone and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands, I'm the Head of Content at B2B Marketing and I'm joined today by John Russo who is the CMO and founder of B2B Fusion. So today we're going to be talking about something called buying group marketing and the possible evolution of ABM. Um, but before we do, John, could you please just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about B2B Fusion? Yeah, absolutely, David. And thank you for inviting me to this podcast. Uh, really excited to uh, talk all things account-based. Um, long story short, we're an agency that really helps companies with their journey of an account-based strategy. In particular, we have a, a huge passion around the measurement side of account-based. And uh, we find that it can be very, very challenging for companies that have historically measured on a lead basis, and now they're pivoting to an account-based and that's the kind of problem we solve with existing technology as opposed to net new marketing technology. Um, we've been in business for over 10 years. We've had over 100 account-based global experiences. And uh, a number of companies uh, or clients of ours have won awards. Uh, prior to that, I've been a CMO for 10 years in public and private companies. So I've got a really good understanding of uh, not just the strategy side, but uh, also the technology side is that CMO experience was all in high tech. So I've, I've got kind of a unique passion, as does my team, for um, the measurement of marketing based on that high-tech background. Okay, great. So thanks for providing some context before you begin. Um, but now let's jump into the big questions. So the benefits of ABM, I think, are really well understood. Um, you know, we at B2B Marketing, we're constantly talking about ABM and how great it is and, and all the benefits it can deliver. Um, but looking on the negative side of things, where do you think that ABM can perhaps sometimes fall short? Yeah, I think you said it really well that there's definitely a greater ROI with account-based strategies because of the focus of it. Uh, but if you were to kind of flip that coin and to answer your question, where it comes short is oftentimes company underestimates the level of energy that it takes to pull off a successful strategy. Uh, this cannot be a marketing-only initiative and marketing pushing the boulder up the hill. It's really got to be a corporate or company initiative. And oftentimes companies underestimate that commitment of sales, marketing, and maybe even the CEO, uh, and perhaps even customer experience, although that's a little bit later on down the road. Um, but really getting a united front and focus um, would be the first uh, uh, shortcoming. The other shortcoming that we have seen quite a bit is um, marketers sometimes focus a lot on uh, pushing technology and they have to be really thoughtful about how they present that back into the sales side because sales can really only digest one or two uh, new tools at a time. Uh, sometimes as marketers, we get carried away on the tool side and we lose sight of kind of the sales aspect. Um, and so being thoughtful around uh, what information gets presented to sales and how it gets presented presented to sales is also a shortcoming that we see with account-based strategies. Okay, fantastic. And the next thing I, I just wanted to discuss was the actual targeting of the account, because, you know, is targeting an account actually as targeted as it sounds? Because there's this whole idea that's doing the rounds now called buying group marketing, and that sees marketing efforts centered on the specific individuals in the buying group as opposed to the whole account. So would you say that that's a, a natural evol evolution of ABM? And you know, would you say that's an important approach to take? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, gosh, every year uh, Gartner comes out with a new, uh, via CEB, a new statistic of how the buyer's group has increased. Uh, this year, who knows what the number is up to now, call it 10 to 15 people as part of that buying group. And so one of the big challenges is how do you get to that buying group with a relevant message? 
And so um, in a mature view, the, the more targeted that message can be to that 15 to 20 uh, member buying group, the more likely it is to convert or uh, engage as opposed to kind of a generic one size fits all message. And so I do think you're right that um, with time and a mature view, being able to target at the persona level as opposed to uh, perhaps the C level or the non C level, which a lot of immature companies start with, and you have to start somewhere, uh, but that may be too broad of a, an approach. So I think you're right that uh, with time, the persona-based approach is going to become more and more relevant in account-based strategy. Okay, so given that that's so important, how do you think marketers can actually establish who is in the buying group and, and the personas within it? Yeah, so um, how marketers can really establish that uh, understanding of who's in that buying group can really be done through primary research. And we typically engage our clients with this kind of research. Um, and it's going to sound somewhat self-serving, but it, um, in our experience, what we find is this is a gap between sales and marketing where marketing thinks they know the buying committee and sales thinks that they know the buying committee, but actually going out and talking with um, those prospective customers or existing customers to fill out and round out that understanding is super helpful. Um, so whether, you know, it's not necessarily us as an organization, you could do it with a bunch of different organizations, but being able to prime that pump with getting primary uh, research on who that buying committee is uh, begins to help marketers shape how to really target those personas. Um, otherwise, they're going off potential assumptions or they're going off what sales is just basically giving in terms of raw information. So uh, we find that that's a more complete analysis, and that doesn't have to be done for every account. It only has to be done for a handful of accounts to really get a feel. Uh, and we also find that by doing it by industry is also helpful. So by looking at an industry segmentation and looking at a couple of accounts, you can really uh, very quickly suss out which personas are most relevant as part of that buying committee. Now, if you don't have that luxury, you could certainly rely purely on what sales is saying or a mar marketing hypothesis. Uh, but we just feel that being data-driven is uh, really helpful for an account-based strategy. Absolutely, yeah. And you've mentioned you know, the importance of research and data and, and all the rest of it. But what information do you think is actually really key to collect on those individuals within the buying group? Yeah, so um, a great question. And there are a lot of technologies now that are gathering uh, bits and pieces of information. Um, so I think it's, uh, to answer your question, like what information is relevant? I think it's, it's actually a twofold question. It's what information is relevant and then how does it get digested by the sales side of things? Um, and we find that they, were, they are equally as important. Reason being is, on the sales side, they're typically more junior people uh, that are inheriting this information. Ide ideally, it's SDRs that are looking at this information uh, because they're qualifying on behalf of the sales organization. And those SDRs are very junior in their career. So by presenting relevant information about the company, and when I say relevant information, there are tools out there that can pull up uh, firmographic or technographic information. So for example, employee count, uh, industry, 
um, what types of technologies they have. That's a good start. But what really is helpful is uh, some level of digestion of what the key initiatives are in that company. And this, this is uh, pretty scientific because now you're talking about taking this information. You're talking about taking a salesperson who the analogy I use is one of a beat street cop. Um, I've used it a number of times in, in presentations, but you're taking a salesperson who's been a beat street cop and you're basically asking them to become a private detective. And so you've really got to enable that message, those initiatives, in addition to the technographic and firmographic information, bundle that up and package it in a way that the SDRs can understand it and execute on that in a uh, kind of a private detective model. It is not an easy uh, uh, kind of transition, but that's the level of transformation that has to happen to get that kind of information uh, pushed over. That's a great analogy. I love that. Um, and maybe, maybe we don't have time to go over the whole thing in this podcast, but how do you think you can actually help those salespeople digest that information? Are there any ways that makes it easier for them to, to get a grip on that information and use it? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, a great question. Um, and it's probably one our organization is more thoughtful than most when we're thinking about an account-based strategy because a number of my team members have run inside sales or they come from the sales side of things. And um, really the presentation has to be twofold. One, it really has to be in their system of record, which typically for our clients is salesforce.com or a CRM system. So if it's not in Salesforce, it doesn't exist. But it also has to be presented in a way in Salesforce so people are not pulling information from multiple islands or multiple clicks to get the information, mainly because if you're in the shoes of the SDR, you've got like seconds when you get somebody on the phone where you've got to be able to succinctly articulate your value, tie it to their business problem, understand their initiatives in 30 seconds or less, probably, you know. 15 seconds or less. So if you're an SDR and you're having to grab all this information from all these different locations, it is counterproductive to the sales side. So when we're going through with our clients, we're really thoughtful about what information gets presented, particularly at the SDR level, because it impacts marketing's ability to convert and measure. So uh, really being thoughtful about that pays off in multiple different directions. Um, so long-winded answer to your question, put it all in Salesforce and present it in a way that is digestible for the SDRs in Salesforce. Fantastic. Thank you. And once marketers have actually found out who they're targeting um, you know, within that specific buying group, how do you think they can produce relevant content for those different individuals? You know, Is tailoring content for a specific individual even feasible um, or is the resource required just too much, do you think? Yeah, you know, it's funny you ask this question about tailored content. It's probably the number one content issue that all of our clients wrestle with, um, mainly because the buying group has expanded so aggressively. And a lot of companies are still at that basic maturity level of C-level and non-C-level in terms of messaging and content. Um, getting to that next level uh, we see fewer companies that have that level of maturity, but uh, I think going back to what I was saying before, if you can invest in that research to find out 
what content is relevant for those personas, you're going to be by and far uh, way advanced in terms of your targeting capability versus your, your peer set. The challenge, as you identified, is really one of resource. Um, typically companies at that stage are wrestling with, do I do it in-house? Do I do it out-house? Um, and most of them are bending a little bit more toward the end because you know your product better and you know what the pain points are better than somebody on the outside um, would be. But it's a process to get there. Um, it's not easy. Um, now, I would say if you look at now versus a few years ago, there are technologies that enable that capability and enable that outreach in a much more targeted and focused uh, effort. So I feel like with time, it will become easier, uh, but we're, we're kind of getting to that point right now. So it's kind of a, a process, I guess, is long, long-winded answer also to this question. Absolutely, yeah. And of course, it's not just the content that needs to be tailored to the, the prospective buyer or your audience member. It's also the channel that it's delivered in is really important. So with that in mind, how do you think marketers can establish which channel specific individuals are operating in or are likely to operate in? And why do you think that's so important to get the right message in the right place in the first place? Yeah, ch- channel strategy is an interesting one and one that our clients often ask us, you know, how's everybody else doing and in, in how do we compare against everybody else? And um, especially in this mixed environment, when I say mixed environment, post-pandemic or who knows if we're post-pandemic. In certain parts of the globe, there may be assumptions that we're post-pandemic, but we may be in inning four of a nine inning uh, outing here uh, of uh, the pandemic situation, which makes the outreach and the channel strategy much more challenging because you've got people at home, you've got some people in the office, uh, you've got a very distributed organization and the number of personas have ramped up. As we said earlier, where Gartner every year, they come out with a new number. It just keeps going up and up. Um, So, um, Remind me again, what was your question? I, I, I'm drawing a blank here. I want to make sure I'm answering what, what it was you were asking. So my point was just around um, the, the importance of the channel that specific content is delivered in. Yeah, yeah. So the, the channel side of things, we've seen uh, an omni-channel approach. So there's no one silver bullet. Um, so, you know, for example, we have customers today that, um, well, gosh, we've got customers that use Influ2 as an example. Uh, which has been solid, and we should definitely talk about that maybe a little bit later on. But um, they're using that. They're using um, other intent data to uh, really prioritize their sales efforts in a very uh, localized target market. Um, They're running communities. So um, some people call it the dark funnel, but having an active voice in places that you wouldn't normally be able to reach with, say, for example, a banner ad or an email campaign, um, just being in the community and being part of the conversation where they've developed uh, relationships there. So I, I feel like it's almost like an omni-channel approach that solves that problem. There's no one silver bullet, although um, increasingly the the community side, we're, we're seeing a lot of companies have a lot of interest in that um, for obvious reasons because there you're, you're typically involved with your peer set and uh, sometimes hearing from a peer set just kind of helps you crystallize what it is that you need um, a little quicker than hearing it from a vendor. 
but these days you've got to really be omni-channel and put your head your bets across every channel possible the only uh, last thing i'll mention is um with everybody working from home right now and you know we're in year two and a half now of this pandemic there's a real premium on digital quality so digital quality meaning the content's got to be relevant it's got to be searchable it's got to be indexed you've got to be able to present that that content in multi-mode fashion whether it be um you know the old school white paper and infographic video uh almost across the board you've got to have your a game with digital right now because of this dispersed environment um so that too plays into the channel strategy fantastic and when it comes to buying group marketing or you know any form of hyper targeted marketing for that matter um why do you think it's so important that marketing and sales are, are fully aligned on the same page and working in the same direction yeah i'm sorry you cut out so i think your question was uh, why is it so important to have marketing and sales aligned on the same direction did i hear you right exactly yeah yeah so um uh Another fantastic question and one that we often see where if marketing and sales are not focused on the same uh, accounts together, then uh, there, there's risk of misalignment and then there's risk of wasted investment on the marketing side to bring sales uh, you know, further down the path. I would say we saw more of this pre-pandemic. I see a lot more collaboration now post-pandemic than I, than I did pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic with ABM or ABX, we would sometimes see situations where um, marketers would ask sales, hey, what accounts should we go after? And what ends up happening there is sales gives the gristle. They give the worst of the worst of the accounts because um, you know it's self-preservation mode, right? If you're, you're in sales, I don't want marketing touching my very best clients. Like I can reach out and do that. So there's a little bit of ego involved in that kind of thought process but uh, maybe marketers kind of put themselves in that situation by batch and blasting over the years and and kind of eroding a lot of the trust with our our tools and technology i saw that behavior a lot pre-pandemic post-pandemic with with kind of the pressure now of everything being digital and sales realizing that they can have a lot more insight around how a prospect is engaging kind of a digital path or a digital journey that they never had before. Um, you know, if you look back earlier on in my CMO career, um, earlier on sales would control all the information flow. They would show up with, um, a slick or, a, a you know, kind of a, uh, um, uh, white papers, or they would kind of dictate the pace. Now the, the, uh, the model has flipped 180 degrees where the buyer has 100% control and they get a lot of information from a lot of different places. So as a result, I feel like sales is collaborating a lot more with marketing saying, hey, you've got to enable us with the right insights. So when we have these conversations, we are prepared to the maximum. Those are the companies that are succeeding in this process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that kind of alignment between sales and marketing is key to any really targeted sales marketing approach, because you can't do one without the other. Um, which brings me to my next point, which is about the results that buying group marketing can actually deliver. Um, you know, presumably, it can lead to greater ROI. Um, but that's quite broad. So what about those contributing factors, things like CX, renewals, and, and so on? 
Yeah, I think the um, it's it's an interesting question about the measurement side of of things with uh, buyer group marketing, and I would use engagement as uh, a primary uh, metric or um, engaged accounts, for example. So, uh, knowing who you're going after and knowing which accounts that you're really targeting, and taking a step back and seeing of those accounts which are currently engaged or which are not engaged. And when I say engaged, it could be somebody that's diving deep into your banner, which then goes to a landing page to more content. You're looking for um, that kind of engagement or sitting in a webinar or uh, viewing a demo. You're looking for uh, that kind of uh, engagement or on the intent side, you might be looking for um, their searches that they're doing on the Uber web, as an example, in your category. So the account could present itself as if it is in a buying cycle, but you may not even be talking to that organization. So I think where, where I see um, buying group kind of measurement is really on that engagement. It's almost a leading indicator that eventually... Uh, cascades into something that turns into conversion or cascades into an opportunity, which turns into revenue. It's a leading indicator that if you don't have that engagement, then you're never going to get to the conversion or to the to the revenue outcome that you want to get to. So it's it's really important to have that buyer group marketing engagement mentality and really defining out what is what is the definition of an engaged account and agree with both sales and marketing as to what it is. So you're not sending over false engagement accounts over to marketing. You're, you're sending or over to sales. You're sending over the most relevant accounts that are expressing that engagement uh, across your buyer's group. Mm. And when it comes to buying group marketing, you know, it sounds very glamorous um, and, and we all love uh, a new acronym at B2B Marketing, but is it just a rebranding of ABM done well, do you think? Or is there a clear, distinct difference in the approaches, do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a thoughtful question and um, you could probably slice this a couple different ways. First of all, if you ask a company what ABM or ABX is, depending on who you ask, you're going to get different definitions. So getting consistency around that definition is is probably pretty critical. Um, the however is I do think from a maturity perspective and uh, you know thinking about the 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 technological capabilities that companies are now involved with, the buyer group marketing approach is definitely an approach of a more mature adoption of account base. So you're not just doing, as I you know, basically said, C-level versus non-C-level. You're really invested in understanding who that person is that you're targeting, how you can get them to convert with relevant content, um, and how you can present that content at the persona level so it's relevant enough for them to take action. So I do think on a scale that it's probably on the, the more mature side of uh, an account-based strategy. And a lot of companies aspire to get to that, and they should aspire to get to that. They're working their way toward that destination right now. We do have a few clients that, that have cracked that nut. Um, and, and I definitely think it's, it's the future of account-based as a strategy overall. 
Okay, so it sounds like more of an evolution than a than a radical difference. Is is that fair? Yes, yes, that's a good way of saying it. Great. Okay, so my final question for you, and then we'll we'll start to wrap things up. Um, obviously, it sounds you know it sounds great, doesn't it? You're targeting a really small group of specific decision makers, and they've got their hands on on all the money, and it, it, that just sounds like nothing but a good thing. Um, but do you think there's any downsides into that? Because you know, one thing I can think right off the bat is what about those people who aren't necessarily in the the official buying group but might still influence the decision it feels like you're you might be missing a trick if you're not targeting everyone what, what do you what do you think about that um is there any downsides in um kind of the buyer group marketing is that what you're you're getting toward exactly yeah sorry if my question was a little bit <laughs> a little bit random. yeah no 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 the um any downsides there? So I would say that um, trying to think through a couple specific examples of clients that have been through that evolution, actually a, a really good one in, who uses Influ2 and has had a lot of success with it. Um, I would say the downside is just one of time that it takes to get to that point where you're really targeting by personas. So it it's not something that um, is a light switch that you just flip on. And I don't mean Influ2 per se. It's the the mindset of really understanding the personas, developing that content, uh, targeting with first-party data, as this client example has done successfully. Um, I, I guess it would just be one of time. I don't see much downside in doing it as a strategy. I think it's a really smart strategy, especially with... Um, kind of the the future of data and data privacy you're going to have to be super super relevant targeting your audience that either opts in or knows you uh to a degree that we've never seen before I, that that is only going to get uh sharper uh as as time goes on but anyway going back to that theme of time i think that's the key thing is it just takes a little bit of time to get to that stage of maturity, but when you get there, it is the absolute right thing to be doing from a, a marketing perspective. Brilliant. And I think that is a perfect place to leave it. So, John, thanks very much for joining me today. Absolute pleasure having you on. David, I appreciate the opportunity. No worries. Um, and to our audience as well, thank you for uh, thank you for listening through. Um, if you want to check out the full report, um, which this very interview has helped uh, inform, just follow the link in the description and you can check out the full thing there. Um, that's all from us today. So we'll see you again soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.